You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany Sermon Series, Respond, Following the Lord of Life. In this series from the Gospel of Matthew, we learn to be grounded in the presence, promises, and power of Jesus, finding faith to follow the Lord of Life as He makes all things new again. Now hear the word of the Lord. Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Peace be with you. It's good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's an honor to be able to uh, go over the Word of God with you this morning. Uh, our normal two teachers, uh, Bobby and Tra- uh, Jonah, Travis, no, not, uh, but Bobby and Jonah uh, are actually in France this morning. They're in Lyon, France, visiting our church plant, uh, and so uh, Bobby's probably watching right now, uh, making sure everything's going according to plan, so hey. Uh, but we want to take some time this morning as they're visiting our missionaries over there, their church planners, uh, Daniel and Kristen Wainwright. Uh, we wanted to pray for them uh, and their families, uh, that God would give them a vision of how we can come alongside our brothers and sisters over there. Uh, so we're just going to take some time this morning to pray for them. So if you'd join me in prayer, that'd be great. Father, we thank you for the gift of being able to be a sending church uh, that you've given us, uh, members of our body who want to go out and share the good news of Jesus uh, with people in Lyon, France, and we pray that you would be with Daniel and Kristen and help them um, support this church as it grows, and that they would be able to lead uh, and teach well there. Uh, Father, we pray for Jonah and Bobby and Kristen and Allison as they're there supporting them, uh, that you would grant them rest and peace while they're there, but you would also give them a vision of how we can come alongside this church, love them well, um, and see your gospel take root, and to see your kingdom grow in Lyon, France. And we ask that you do this for the honor and glory of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you haven't been with us, we've been going over the book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, we were doing a section that we were calling Receive. And we wanted to receive the presence of God, to receive his forgiveness, his grace, and his presence with us. And so now we're moving on to Matthew chapter 10, which is a section where we see we're responding to this grace. We're responding to the presence of God. And what we see is we're responding to a mission that Jesus gives us. Uh, And if you've ever seen somebody receive a mission, it's transformative. Uh, In the most serious sense, you can see it in like Saving Private Ryan, where they receive a mission and they have to go out and accomplish this thing that is bigger than they are. If you want to see a comedic version of it, you can look at The Office. Uh, It's a television show, and there's a character on there named Michael, who is the boss, and there's a character on there named Dwight, who is his uh, assistant regional manager, who is the assistant to the regional manager. Um, And Dwight wants to do everything to please Michael. And one day, they find out this one character named Oscar didn't come into work, and Michael really wants to know why. And so he tells Dwight, drop everything that you're doing and go find out why he's not here. And Dwight, like he's like super pumped. He's like, yes, I'm going to do this. And so he drops everything he's doing. He's starting this investigation. He's going after it. Uh, And during this time... Uh, Michael's just kind of like, whatever, Dwight, uh, because they just have this odd relationships. And anyway, Michael begins talking with another character named Jim about Jim's secret cr- crush, and Dwight comes up, and Michael's trying to ignore him, 
But Dwight says, what are you guys talking about? And Jim says, well, Michael, Michael was talking to me about the uh, investigation into Oscar, and I wanted to head it up, but he said you were the only man for the job. And Michael looks over at Dwight, and Dwight looks at him, and he says, is this true, Michael? And Michael looks at him, and he kind of is like, uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Totally a lie. And Dwight looks at him and goes, thank you, Michael. I know you're telling me the truth. I won't let you down. And what you see there, though, is this, this idea of Michael giving Dwight a mission transformed Dwight. He felt affirmed. He felt cared for. He felt like he was empowered. And so then it changed the way that he was going about doing his business, right? Even to the fact that he was ignoring the rest of reality around him, the truth that was coming at him, he was so determined because this mission had transformed him. And so what I want, to see, what I want us to see this morning is that we are giving a mission. And the thing is, is usually the more important the person giving you the mission, the more transformative it is because you realize how important it is. And so this morning, we're looking at Jesus is telling us the God of the universe is sending us on a mission. And when he sends us on a mission, that should transform us, and it will transform the way that we do everything in our lives. And so here's kind of my, that, the kingdom of God will transform our lives. That's our main topic this morning. But I also want us to see these two things that's kind of a dance happening at the same time. And that is, if you want to go on this mission, if you want to be transformed, you have to be transformed first. But if you want to tr be transformed, you have to go on the mission. It's kind of this dance that's happening. And so we're going to see that this morning uh, in the passage. So here's the thing. We're going to answer three questions. First, what is this mission? Second, how do we go about it? And third, what should we expect? So what is it? How do we go about it? What should we expect? So let's look at the text. It says, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, there it is, right? Very clear. The mission. Announce the kingdom of heaven is near. What does that mean? Well, the kingdom of heaven is the good news that life with God is available again, right? We had the kingdom of heaven in the Garden of Eden, and it was taken from us because we sinned and evil entered the world, and we could no longer be present with God. But God said, I'm going to come rescue you. I'm going to send home to you. I'm, the kingdom is coming to you. And because of Jesus came, his life, his death, his resurrection, we now have life with God available to us again. That's good news, right? You can live life with God. The way you were meant to live is available to you right now, today. We say the world is broken, but we can say God is available to live inside of you. And Jesus made that happen. That's good news. We share good news, right? If you get good news, it's just a thing that happens. Talked about it last week with Jonah, right? He said, if you hear there's $1 ice cream at Graders, guess what? You're telling everybody on Facebook there's $1 ice cream at Graders. You got a promotion, you're telling everybody. You're having a baby girl, I'm having a baby girl. You're telling everybody, right? So, good news. You get it out there. The problem, I think, that we, we believe that, but then we also have this hang-up where it's like, but how, but how, how do I say it? Like, I, I've got to make sure I do it right, because I'm not sure about you guys, but I grew up in like a Southern Baptist church we had our five-point faith plan, which is what you had to do in order to make sure that you were really sharing the gospel, you were really announcing the kingdom, because you also had to make sure there was an invitation at the end so that way people could make a decision. And if you didn't do that, it didn't count, right? And so there's just all this pressure. Uh, but then the thing is, is I started noticing people who were really good at sharing the gospel, uh, people who were really good at using their words to announce the kingdom of heaven, and they seemed to do it all the time without really trying. Uh, and this is a true story. If you guys know Pastor Travis, he was a young guy in college, 
and he stopped at a gas station at 11 o'clock at night to get a Polar Pop. He walked into the gas station, bought his Polar Pop, and walked out having started a Bible study with a guy at the, who was attending the gas station. I mean, in five minutes, I get, like, how does that happen? Um, and if you guys know, there's a lady at our church named Glenda Faith. She went to Kohl's. She's wearing her sparkly jewelry, as she always does. And a lady in a job came up to her and said, I love your sparkly jewelry. Five minutes later, they're sitting on a couch in the back of Kohl's, and Glenda is sharing the gospel with her. It's incredible, right? And what it feels like is gospel judo. Like they've just been like, I'm waiting for the moment, and you said something, and hi-ya! Like, I'm, like I don't know. Glenda, I'm imagining in my mind what may have happened with Glenda is probably something like this lady says, I like sparkly jewelry. And Glenda says something along the lines of, you like sparkly jewelry? Let me tell you about the sparkliest jewel of all, the jewel of heaven, Jesus Christ. And you're like, how did she do it? Like, that's incredible. Um, but if you listen, but if you listen to their stories, that's not what happens. They're not waiting for the moment to flip the conversation. They're just listening. They're paying attention to what these people are saying. And then there's just this opportunity. It's just like a gap opens up in the line and they go through it. And it's, it's kind of incredible. And here's what I think from listening to them and their stories, here's what is made really clear to me is they know why they are so excited about the kingdom of heaven being near. They know why they are so excited about following Jesus, that when they hear somebody else talking about their longings and their desires and the things in life that they wish were different, they hear their own stories and they hear their own longings and they can say, you know what? I felt that way. I have felt those longings. I have been there. I know what that's like. And let me tell you, Jesus is the one who changed that for me. Right? It's not this idea of I'm going to flip the conversation. It's just I'm listening to you, and when I hear you talk about something I've experienced, I've got something to share about that. So here's my question for you. Why are you a Christian? Why are you here this morning? Why is the idea of the kingdom of heaven being near, why is that good news to you? If you have an answer to that question, I guarantee you, you will hear people start talking about the longings that you had, that why you were a Christian is true. You'll hear those things. And so, when you're in these conversations, the thing is, is and we'll see this later, God provides people for you to say these things to. And so the pressure's off to manufacture a conversation, the pressure's off to make sure that you can flip it and get it there, all you have to do, and I think this is the invitation, is to go, to announce. And again, we'll see in this passage coming up, God will provide a way for you to do that. This isn't something you have to make sure it works out. So, here we go. What is the mission? Is to announce the kingdom of heaven. We use our words. We announce the kingdom of heaven. Right? But the thing is, you can't just say it. You've got to walk it. Now, here we have to have a balance, right? So, you've heard the phrase before, it's like, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. You do have to use words. The kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven is a, is a truth, and it has a name. We have to talk about Jesus. We have to say it. At the same time, you can't just say it and not do anything. Like G James says in his book, it says you can't just say, be warm and well-fed and don't do anything about it. So we have to have our announcement matched with our words. And so that's what we're going to see in this next section. Right? We're going to answer the question, how should we go about this mission of announcing the kingdom of God? So look at the scripture with me. It says, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. 
Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. So the first thing I want to address here is like that weird section where it starts off where it's like, don't go anywhere but to, don't go to the Samaritans. Just go to the people of uh, God's lost sheep, just the house of Israel. And then he starts talking about all these weird kind of hoops that it seems like people have to jump through. Like, don't take this, don't take that. And you're like, what is going on here? Well, the first thing is like, you have to understand we're going to pull the general principles out of this passage. Because if you look at this passage and you're like, we have to do everything that's in here, the bad news is we've all got to sell our houses, move to Israel, get rid of all of our stuff. We can't keep a home anymore because we've got to be traveling all the time. And you also can't have a purse. You have to have a money bag. So what we have to say here is, okay, so what are the general principles here that we see, that we see in the rest of scripture that apply to us? Here's the general principle that you see at play here. He's saying, you are going to announce the kingdom of heaven with your actions by the way you rely on God to provide. Okay, so that's why he's talking about all the money, right? He's saying, you're going to go on this mission and you're going to trust that God will provide you food. He's gonna, you're going to trust that God is going to provide you with money. You're going to trust that he's going to provide you with clothing. You're going to trust that he's going to provide you with a place to stay. Because in the kingdom of heaven, with a good king, the good king provides all those things for you. Right? And so when we go on our mission announcing the kingdom of heaven, we go announcing through our reliance on God that we serve a good king and that his good kingdom is coming. So the question then becomes, well, how do we do that in our lives? Because we're not traveling around. We all have bank accounts. Like, what does that look like for us? Well, here's my question for you. Where in your life are you relying on God? Okay. I would make the argument that if you, if you honestly ask that question, the answer is going to be everywhere. You rely on God for everything in your life. That means anywhere that you're relying on God and you're pointing to him and saying, I'm relying on him to provide this for me, you're announcing the kingdom. So think about it like this. How are you showing your reliance on God where you work? How are you showing your reliance on God the way you parent? How are you showing your reliance on God the way you drive? How about the way you coach or the way you tip? How are you showing reliance on God in the way that you date or the way you take tests or the way you play Pokemon or the way you eat or the way you drink or the way you breathe? You announce the kingdom of God in everything that you do when you're relying on him. So the whole world, everything that you do is an open invitation to announce the kingdom of God through what you do. Because what we're saying is, God, I'm relying on you. You have freely given to me. Now I'm going to freely give, right? So that's stuff, relationships, who you are, you can now, like you have received fullness of life from God, and now you can freely give. Here's where the, the, the challenge comes in, though, is we receive, and then it becomes ours, right? And we, we think that all of a sudden God has given something to us, and then our resources become limited. And here's an example of what I'm talking about. My dad has a car with 300,000 miles on it, and he told me one time, he's like, hey, look, if you ever know anybody who needs a car, let me know. They can drive this car around. I was like, Sweet. Uh, the Bradshaws came home from Africa. They were missionaries in Africa. They came home. They needed a car. My dad says, hey, they can borrow my car. I'm like, awesome. So I get to be the guy who gets to go give my dad's car to the missionaries, right? Great privilege. So I'm like, hey, guys, I got a car for you. Super pumped, right? But then my dad decides, he's like, hey, man, you know what? The car's got 300,000 miles on it. It's not that great. Um, so I'm going to give him my car. 
and I'll keep the other one. And it's like, even better, not mine. Like, cool, they'll be super pumped. So I'm like, I was like, hey, guys, good news. We're going to get this newer car. It's bigger, it's better, it's badder. Like, awesome. And they're like, that's great. Uh, and then the switch came. And my dad said, you know what? After they're done with it, you can keep it. <laughs> All of a sudden, it went from, yeah, I can just give this to you, to like, it's mine, the precious, right? <laughs> it's my car. <laughs> Like, all of a sudden, this whole thing of, like, it's mine, I can give freely, no big deal, it was mine. And here's what started, like, the things, like, I was trying to legitimize it, right? I was, like, going through my head, I was like, well, I'm, like, a half inch taller than Brent, and so, like, he doesn't need all the legroom, right? And so, like, I should probably just give him my car, which is smaller, but the air conditioning doesn't work so good in my car, but, I mean, they were in Africa, and it's, like, hot there, and, like, they probably don't need air conditioning, they probably like it hot, they probably want a hot car, that's probably what they want. I mean, it would be unkind of me not to give them the hot car, the smaller one, right? Yeah, totally. And it was just all of a sudden when it had become mine, when the thing I had received, the life that, like, this thing, it was no longer, I was no longer able to freely give it. And I think that's what happens with us, is God gives us life. He gives us all these things. He says, I'm going to provide for you. And then we think, maybe he won't. Maybe he won't keep giving that to me. And so I've got to hold on to this. And the thing is, is what he's saying is, no, 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 no. I want you to be transformed. I want you to receive I want you to be able to receive because you keep giving stuff away, right? If, you're, if your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, which the Bible says he does, then you can give away some of your cows because you know you got more. You know you're going to be taken care of. And what's so funny about this is if you want to be transformed by this, if you want this act of relying on God to transform you, try it out. Give your stuff away. Be open with your things. Give as freely as you've received, and it will transform you because guess what you'll see? You'll see that God's not a liar. Jesus ain't telling you a fib. He's really going to do this. He's really going to provide for you. And when you experience that, you're like, this is true. This isn't a joke. Like, he said he's going to provide, and he provided. And it's such a transformative thing to be on this mission, to feel like, I don't know if he's going to provide, and to say, I'm going to do what he said, and then to feel his presence and his provision for you. But not only will he provide for you monetarily, he'll also provide for you relationally. So here's what I want you to flip down. We're going to go to the part where it says, whenever you enter a city or village. Here's what it says. He says, whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or to listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. So here's the general principle that you see here. Right? Jesus says, go freely, live freely. God will provide, right? Also the people to talk to. He's saying, I'm going to give you people that is going to be an opportunity. You're going to hear them talk about their longings. You're going to have an opportunity to step in and share the good news, to share that the kingdom of heaven is near. And he says, and if you share that, and you live that in front of them, and they don't want to have anything to do with you, here's what he tells you to do. Here's the original Greek. He says, you can tailorus swifticus, and you can shake it off. Right? That's what he said. He's just said, shake it off. Let it go. You don't have to hang on to that, because here's the thing. This is why it's good news. Your job is not to convince people that Jesus is king. The Bible says, one day every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and there ain't nothing anybody can do about it. You don't have to convince them. You just have to tell them. And that is so freeing, right? It's just such an awesome idea that it's like, you know what? You share this news. You lead with your weak foot, and you say, you know what? I'm in need. 
God met me in my need. He saved me. He saved my life. He transformed me. And then somebody responds with, well, you're weak, and you should be ashamed of that. This Christianity thing is just an opiate for the masses. Why would anybody believe that? And besides, you're all bigots anyway. And you're like, uh, <laughs> all of a sudden now it's a little bit tougher to shake that off, right? Because now it's at you. And you're like, yay, yay, yay. And then all of a sudden, this is where it gets really tough, is it's not just like people out there, right? It's not just these random people that you're going to share this with. Jesus says it's going to be the people closest to you. And that's real scary. And, that, like, and this is where it gets really hard. And so here's what we've seen, right? We've seen what is the mission? It's to announce the kingdom of God. We've seen how should we go on this mission? We should go relying on God's provision. So the question is now, what do we expect? And we're going to read um, this ending, ending part of the passage. It says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So as be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how they will respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. All nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth. The Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than their teachers. Slaves are not greater than their masters. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. So what do we expect when we're on the mission? Sounds like we can expect persecution. And this is where it's a little hard because it's like, didn't you just say like God was going to provide and life was going to be good? And yes, God will provide, and he is good. But the problem is that Jesus says, light has come into the world and people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. So when you become a child of God, when you enter into the kingdom of heaven, you become a child of light and the world hates light. And I think all of us would agree with that, but I think we've kind of developed this weird false guilt complex in the West because we look and we're like, well, in China, they're like really persecuted. Or like, you know, back in the early church, like, they really got it. Like, and then we, like, we just don't feel persecuted. And so we do this weird thing where we're like, so I'm going to stand up and I'm going to really, like, tell it to people and then they're going to persecute me. And it's like, ah, I don't really think that's what he's trying to get at here. And I, I think what's really funny is if you look at the early church, there was a guy named Polycarp who was martyred and it was, like, started this whole big thing. It was like, man, if you get killed and you stand firm while, like, people are going to, about to kill you, like, that's an awesome thing. And so then these other guys, they called them the spontaneous. They would just show up at places and be like, I'm a Christian. And then they would be put before the rulers and be like, all right, if you don't renounce your faith, we're going to re renounce your faith, we'll kill you. And they would renounce. And they would be like, uh, wait a second. And so all these guys who were like looking to get persecuted backed off when it really came. And it was all the guys who were like, I don't want to do this persecution thing. They were the ones that stood firm. And so it started this process of saying, look, we're not looking for persecution like, if God calls you to it, he calls you to it. But it's not yours to go find. And I think that's for us too, right? The call here is not, hey, guys, 
If you're not being persecuted, go look for it. Stand up. Make sure that people are throwing punches at you. The idea is to say, follow Jesus, and the persecution will follow you. Right? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And all these things includes persecution. You don't have to go find it. It's not something out there that if you don't have it right now, you need to feel bad. It's coming for you. So, don't have the, if you've got this false guilt thing of like, I just, I'm not, people don't say enough bad stuff about me. Don't go try making to say, get people to say bad stuff about you, right? That's not what Jesus is telling you to do. However, he is saying they will say bad things about you. If you listen to Travis and Glenda, one of the things that you'll notice about their story is that, yes, they have some really cool opportunities to step into the lives of other people, but they also stepped into the, the lives of some of their family stuff, and it blew up in their faces, and they'll tell you that. And there is some really hard things that they went through because they stood and announced the kingdom of heaven and they lived it out. And it was the people closest to them that the ones who took the shots at them. And that is so hard to shake that off. And the question is, is like, well, how is this transformative? Like, why in the world would I want to be transformed? Like, how are we transformed through persecution? And here's what's crazy, is we're transformed because we come to love those people. If you remember back in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, what to do what with people who persecute you? Do you remember? He said to bless them. He said, bless those who curse you and pray for those who persecute you. And here's the thing. This is the litmus test for Christians is do you love your enemies? And do you understand like how transform, like what has to be going on in your soul where somebody would say something awful and hateful to you and you would respond with love? Like that is transformation and like how much I'm not sure you, about you guys, but like, I want that in my life. I want to be transformed so much that when I'm hated, that I can respond with love. I don't want to do things to make people hate me, but I know if I announce Jesus, it's, gonna, it's happening. But I want to re- respond with love and kindness, and that's a transformation that I can't muster up on my own, and it's a transformation that happens when we go on mission. But I think we also have to, to be honest, too, though, and say, yes, I want to go on mission. Yes, I want to be transformed. Yes, I want to be transformed through relying on God and through this persecution. But the problem is it's just, I'm tired. Like, getting on mission, are you kidding me? Like, ah, oh, this is hard. And so I think we, we kind of, we can fall off on the horse in two ways, right? We can be like, it's hard, and I'm just not doing the mission thing anymore, and I just want to sit back here and receive. And there's a time to do that. There's a time to be like, I'm just going to receive from the Lord. Jesus does it, right? In the middle of his, his going to talk to the towns in Mark 1, he backs off and he says, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go be by myself. There is a time to just back off and just receive. But then he goes back onto the mission. And I think what happens is when we just back off and say, I'm just going to receive, and we don't get back into the mission, all of a sudden you start to get bored and you start to feel powerless. right? Because part of the idea is if you want to experience the presence of God, you're on mission with him. Now, here's the other thing. People who do this thing where they're like, you know what, God, I got this. Like, you stand over here, I'll do the mission thing, and then I'll come back and report how I'm doing. And those are the people who just get burned out. Like, they're, doing, they're serving in kids every week. They're doing all their counseling things. They're making sure that they're, like, doing all the Bible studies with their families, and they're, like, serving at the soup kitchen. And they come back two years later, and they're just like, I, what is going on? And it's like, you're not receiving Right? This, we have to have both of these things. You have to receive in order to respond. 
But if you're going to respond, you have to have received. Right? And to be on this mission, again, if you want to go on mission, you have to be transformed. But if you're like, I'm not being transformed right now, it's just not working. Well, then I would say, like, what's your mission look like? Are you announcing the kingdom of heaven and everything that you do? And this is where it's just, it's just really hard because it feels like a scary step, and it is. But this is like, you've heard Jonah say it before, the only way to trust God is to trust God. The only way to step out in faith is to step out in faith. If you want to be on this mission, if you want to be transformed, step out. Go on the mission and watch God transform your life. He promises he will do it. And the great part about this too is like we see Jesus doing exactly what he told us to do. I mean, and if you think about like the honor that Jesus gives us by going on this mission, his first sermon was, repent and believe the good news, the kingdom of God is near. And that's what he's telling us to do. We get the same mission that Jesus got. That is a huge blessing. It's a huge honor. And so we get that same mission, but then we also get to follow him, right? We get to do the same things he did. We get to announce the kingdom of heaven is near through our words and through our actions. And Jesus gave of himself freely. And the same thing that's going to happen to us happened to him. His closest friends rejected him. They abandoned him, and one of them betrayed him. But the good news, though, is Jesus suffered through that, and his life and his death and his resurrection, resurrection made it possible for us to live life with God. Right? that we can now announce the kingdom of heaven in everything that we do. We can take up the same mission that Jesus himself had, which is an amazing thing, and it's an honor, and it should feel like God is saying, I believe in you, I trust you, and now I want you to go do this thing. And we trust. We trust that God is going to do these things, and we remember every week. We remember that God will do what he said, and we remember that through communion. It says, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We get to proclaim the kingdom of God as you come forward in a couple seconds. You get to proclaim that when his body was broken, that was broken for you. You get to proclaim through his shed blood that it was shed for you. We get to enjoy these things. We are announcing the Lord's death until he returns. And you get to announce that to your friends, to your church family here this morning. Enjoy the honor and the privilege of that and allow it to transform you. If you're not a Christian, uh, we invite you to stay in your seats um, and to receive Christ, to be transformed by him. This is a sacred meal. That's only for those who believe. If you would like to participate next week, come forward. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a Christian, how to follow Jesus, uh, and we would love for you to participate with us next week. Uh, if you are a Christian, we invite you to come forward. We'll have two communion stations here, two communion stations in the back. Uh, we have wine and juice. The wine is marked by twine. Uh, we also have a gluten-free station over here to my left and your right. I'll pray. Musicians will come up, and then feel free to come up and take communion. Father, thank you for the gift of giving us a mission. Uh, thank you for the joy uh, that you've set before us and that we get to take up um, what you've told us to do. Um, 
Father, I pray that you would transform us, um, that you would allow us to live freely with open hands uh, because we know you're a good king and that you'll keep giving and that you'll provide and you'll take care of us. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.